Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He's Danny. I'm Grant. This is The Fan. We are back live. On GND, taking you all the way up to 6.30 this evening. First of a couple chances today to win Wizards tickets. An hour from now, we're going to give away another pair. But caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. You're winning two tickets. Wizards, Thursday, March 2nd. Taking on the Raptors, Capital One Arena, 7 p.m. tip. Courtesy of Monumental Sports. Big thanks to Monumental Sports for giving these away on the show. Buy your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. You know what Eric Bieniemy's plan should be for Washington's offense? What's up? I've got his plan. I actually drew it up. Let me find it. Good. Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can run. I want shots and I want explosives. I think that's pew, the blueprint. Pew, pew, pew. That's amazing. That audio. It's. I'll tell you, I've seen the video. The audio is better. If that's possible. It's close. <laughs> Michael Phillips, Richmond Times-Dispatch, was in Ashburn today for enemy's introductory presser. So, Michael, we've been taking some calls and getting the pulse of the fan base. As you can imagine, everybody's giddy. That's often the case, unless you're Jim Zorn, when you get introduced at a press conference. If you do it right, it could be a layup, and I think he really did hit a home run. But give us some behind-the-scenes here of who was there, what the vibes were. Just take us inside the building, if you would. Yeah, very impressive. And this this isn't prime time. This is uh, prime sitting on the beach time for a lot of these players. And uh, Terry McLaurin and Sam Howell, uh, front row, uh, a lot of guys. I mean, uh, you know, most of the offensive linemen, uh, some assistant coaches were hanging out there. Matsko was there, which I took as probably a sign he's going to continue to be an assistant coach here. Um, you know, and so, so a big show of support from the players. Um, Ron and Jason Wright, front row, front and center. Uh, Martin Mayhew with them. Uh, Jason Wright, uh, he said he, he thought about doing a church yell at one point during the press conference. I looked over, he's like nodding his head. He's feel, feeling good. Uh, everybody feels great. It's a, it's a good day, good day in Ashburn. It's a win. How did this process come together? I, so cut to me a couple weeks ago, I'm going, what are they doing trying to hold out for Eric Bieniemy? They're, they're not getting him, and it's just going to look even worse when they end up with Ken Zampezi. I was wrong. They were right. 
this looks incredible for them. It's the like one of the few cool things that's happened to this franchise in some time. How did this all go down? Yeah, and you know, Eric Bieniemy, uh, he kind of hinted that that it may, you know, he he was adamant at the Super Bowl. He had not interviewed for any offensive coordinator jobs. He had not talked to anybody about that. Um, but he said, you know, hey, as as we were preparing for the Super Bowl, I knew my time here was coming to an end. Um, so I don't know if that meant. You know, if that meant he thought he was going somewhere, anywhere, he just didn't know where. Um, if, if that was a reward for the team that waited him out, which in this case, you know, Washington, Baltimore were the two. If he thought he was going to get a head coaching job, but he, he definitely made it sound like, hey, as I was getting ready for this Super Bowl, I knew I was done here. Like I, I knew I had accomplished everything I was going to accomplish in Kansas City, and I was moving on. Uh, if if Ron knew in advance, man, I, that that dude was playing the round of his life at Pebble Beach. Good for him. If they happen to just make a really great gamble by, by waiting for Eric Bieniemy and landing him as a result, tip of the hat to Ron again. I mean, he, he made the right call and got the very best possible outcome here, I think, in most people's minds. Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Now, there is so much debate and consternation about his involvement and his responsibilities in Kansas City. How much does that really matter, in your opinion? Yeah, I'll separate this into two things. So one is, we don't know if Eric Bieniemy is going to be successful here. Like, it needs to be said today, I will be the person that says it. He might be a failure here. He might not be good as a play caller. These things are all very possible because we don't know. There's no track record. We're not sure. And anybody who becomes an NFL coach at any point, any level, has to learn on the job and learn and grow and could fall on their face during it. Separate that out, though, from number two, which is they made the best hire this was the best possible hire they made uh, you absolutely swung for the fences and hit the home run here uh, it doesn't matter if he called plays or not in Kansas City you grabbed a guy who a lot of people think should be a head coach in the NFL including Andy Reid including Patrick Mahomes and you've got him on your roster for the 2023 season that's all that matters you did the right thing separate out process and result it was the right process it is the right hire who knows what will happen from here, but it, but it's a victory lap and it's well-deserved. So, Michael, I, I've heard so many folks all over the place, talking heads, uh, Twitter, Adi, whatever you want to call it. They've, To Grant's point, they've been asking, well, what, what plays did he call? How much was Andy Reid? This role was occupied by Scott Turner until moments ago. I, I don't care if they got like a quality control assistant from Kansas City. That's the, the best offense over the last five years, dude. They're putting up historic uh, numbers. This dude's overqualified for this role if he never called to play, if he fell asleep in every single team meeting, and I don't think that's the case. Now, if he was up for Ron's job to be not only the head coach but in charge of everything, then I would ask those kinds of questions. I mean, I guess not a great question for me here, but I'm just not interested in what he was doing previously in Kansas City like it seems a lot of people are. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I don't understand why you would only want to turn play calling responsibilities over to somebody who has called plays before. I I think that would be a great way to never, you know, find a good coach. I I mean, look, Sean McVay got a chance here, excelled in it. That's why he became a head coach. The most successful organizations either grow from within or find successful teams and hire the young people who are working under the successful people. Now, that, you know, Eric Bieniemy is not quite as young as some of the young guys, but what you do if you're a bad organization looking to get good, you say, who are the good teams? Who are the assistants on those teams? How do we get them onto our team in elevated roles? That's true for general manager openings. That's true for coaching openings. That's true for offensive coordinator openings. I like the process here. I, I just think that's so much better of an approach than – 
hey, uh, who did this at a mediocre level and went nine and seven for a few seasons uh, 10 years ago? Uh, see if they're still available and are answering the phone. Like, th- this is the way to do it. Michael, Sam Howell didn't really come up in the presser, which I was surprised by. It looked like subsequently at some point, the enemy did talk directly about Sam Howell. Do we know how much, if at all, he has studied him or what he thinks about the young quarterback? We don't because he studiously avoided talking about any player in any way today. I, you know, it was just that, that was a box he did not want to open. Uh, and, he, you know, we, we asked several times, several ways. Uh, he, he did give some, some blanket. Uh, he, he said some very nice things about Sam Howell, uh, you know, his abilities. But, but he was very clear he did not want to talk about individual coaches, individual players, uh, anything like that. And, I, I mean, he comes in. This is part of the risk here. Combines next week. You know, you need to set your coaching staff pretty quickly here. He's been planning for a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl. They did a very good job of that. They won the Super Bowl, by the way. Uh, but, but yeah, he's got a lot of work to do to catch up. Uh, you know, the one thing you would say is he, he unprompted a couple times when we asked about developing players. And, and you know, one time I think I, think I asked about Patrick Mahomes or, or maybe Ben Standing asked about Patrick Mahomes, I think. And he said, you know, Hey, that was that was then. My job now is to get the most out of Sam Howell, um, uh, uh, unprompted. I just took that as like, okay, wh- whatever the whatever the research level is, this is a guy who's comfortable with Sam Howell at least. I, I think that's kind of the answer we'll have to get, except for today. Michael Phillips, Richmond Times Dispatch, with us here on G and D at Michael PRTD on the Twitterverse. Um, in, in terms of the roles and responsibilities that Biennemi is going to have here. How big a deal is that assistant head coach thing? Is that just something you do in name only? Just it means he's calling plays? Or I don't really know what that means different than a normal offensive coordinator. It just, just as a Twitter reader myself, it seems to mean a lot to some people. And I, I don't want to take that from them. Like to some people, it's very important that Eric Biennemi was offered a promotion here. Uh, that, that he's not the same guy he was in Kansas City, that this is a, a continuation of his upward climb and it's not horizontal. Um, I think that's a business card thing, and I think that's a thing for people who talk about business card titles on talk shows. Uh, he's the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. He calls the plays. He runs the offense. If the offense succeeds, it will be because he did a good job. If the offense fails, it will be because he, he did a bad job. Whatever the title is, whatever – upward momentum they they needed to create as, as a narrative or as you know from a personal standpoint sure uh you can have that that's great we've got eric the enemy that that's fine by me jack del rio has taken the team over when rivera's been away for you know a funeral or, or dealing with cancer and different things that have gone on in his life i mean he's a former head coach with a lot of coaching experience in fact comparable or maybe even more success in terms of you know, winning seasons than Rivera. Um, he's not even the assistant head coach. I do wonder how that went over with him or like, was he there today? Did he talk to anybody? He, he was not there today that I saw. That doesn't mean he wasn't in the building, but I, I didn't see him there. Uh, I, I think Jack Del Rio, his, his days of potentially becoming a head coach, it feels like are done. I like, I, I get that he did a great job with the unit this year. It, it seems hard to fathom that he would get another bite at that apple. Maybe he will. Um, you know, I, I think probably the most tangible expression of that is, yeah, here in Washington, if something ha- were to happen to Ron, you know, it does mean Eric Bieniemy would be head coach now and, and not Jack, although he would continue to run the defense. Um, but I, I think in terms of messaging to the public of, 
look at this guy. We brought him in. He's very important. Uh, I, I think Jack would be understanding of that because, I, I mean, Ron's style is being very hands-off, so I, I don't think this will lead to Ron meddling with Jack Del Rio's defense or anything like that. I, I think his style is very much to delegate. Michael, what should our metric for success be for this season uh, for, for Biennemi? Look, this is a team, I, I say this every time I'm on the radio, this is a team that just had to beat the Browns or the Giants at home to make the playoffs. That's all they had to do, and they didn't do it this past year. Like, the metric is make the playoffs. I mean, if Eric Bieniemy is truly better than Scott Turner, he wins one of those two games. If, he, if he's a better talent evaluator, game planner, schemer, play caller, wh- whatever, whatever it is that he's bringing to the table, if he brings just enough of it to win one home game against either the Cleveland Browns or the New York Giants more than they could a week ago or more than they could a year ago, there's a playoff team and, and, and not a team watching the playoffs from home. To me, that's the metric. This is, this is year four. I, I get they made the playoffs in the first season. I am completely throwing that out as I did at the time. They need to make the playoffs. It, it's, it's year four. You've got Eric Bieniemy. I, I know there's a learning curve. I know he asked for patience. Uh, I will provide patience to an extent as long as that patience ends in the postseason. <laughs> Michael Phillips, Richmond Times-Dispatch is where you can read his work. You asked a question that I was waiting on at the presser and that netted the answer that I actually enjoyed the most of anything that he said today. Because with all due respect to him and his press conference, it's easy to say a lot of things today. The proof's going to be in the pudding. What I cared a lot about, though, was you asked about Snyder's involvement, and it didn't sound like Dan was involved at all in this process. And people could say, oh, you believe that? Well, every answer previously in every press conference I've ever heard has to do with something like, you know, I, I talked to Dan and Tanya. I, I want to thank the Snyders. You asked, did you talk to Dan Snyder? How involved was he? And he said it was Rivera, it was Stokes, it was Mayhew. He didn't mention Dan. I thought that for people that want to see him in London, not involved with the team, getting ready to sell, uh, that was an alarm bell that uh, sounded very positive. I, I could do you one better if you if you head over to my Twitter there, Michael PRTD. I talked to Jason Wright afterwards. And Jason Wright, I, I said, you know, what did you tell Eric about the sale and, and what was going on? And he said, yeah, Eric sees it the same way I see it. He sees it as a positive for this organization. And that is not the kind of quote you give if you think the guy owning the team is going to still be owning the team in a few months. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think all signs were very positive today in terms of the lingering question on everybody's mind, which is, is Dan Snyder actually going to sell this football team? Like, I, I, I get it. Nobody believes it's going to happen. I understand why, um, but but dang, if we aren't getting excited with every little crumb that's being dropped here that says, no, this isn't a fake out. This is something that's actually going to happen. So I'm just looking for this this comment here. Jason Wright flew back to meet with Biennemi, discussed the sale and its incompl- implications. I think Eric, just like the rest of us, sees the transition as one that's good for the organization. On the other side of it, there's nothing but upside. Jason Wright said that today, huh? I've got, I've got it on my tape recorder, Grant. It's uh, It was quite the day in Ashburn. That feels like it's something that should have come up about 14 minutes earlier in this conversation. How about <laughs> that? How about it? I mean, am I overreacting? That seems like the closest the team president has gone on the record to saying he's saying on the other side of it. He's saying he sees it like the rest of us, that it, it's a good thing. That's a big deal. As a quote of the day to me, I, I you know I certainly let everybody have their excitement about Eric Bieniemy and it's deserved. But 
look, the number one thing everybody wants to know, you, you know this, you guys go out in public sometimes, sometimes I go to Wegman buy groceries, people ask, is, is he actually selling the team? That's, that's what everybody wants to know. And, I mean, that quote to me says, yes, they're, they're, they're on the path to selling the team. I'm still sort of uh, reacting to that because I saw that quote and I don't know why I didn't put two and two together. I thought it was like talking about the transition to have Eric Bieniemy coming here and th- that transition's good. That's actually the most significant thing that's happened today. So on that front, I, I think my favorite answer that Bieniemy gave sort of hinted at something that I've said. I think it's fine that this may be for one year. Everybody can still get something out of this, right, Michael? In other words, like, Bianami wants to go be a head coach somewhere. If he does well this year, it means Terry McLaurin does well, Jahan Dotson does well, Sam Howell's a franchise quarterback. Everybody's happy. We can all get what we want, even if this is a, kind of a marriage of temporary convenience here. Give me your thoughts there. Yeah, I, one of the things I've, I've heard, oh, man, Ron hired his replacement. Like, you know, oh, this guy's going to be head coach of the team within a year. And, and, look, I'm not ruling that out, obviously. If he has a successful year, though, in Washington with the Washington commander, like think about the national coverage this story has gotten. And it, it's basically boiled down to either personal commentary about Eric B which is whatever we'll throw that out or two, what him there, why there? Like that place is terrible. Doesn't he know that place is terrible. If he were somehow to win in Washington and, and run a successful offense, you would not just have a potential job waiting for him here. I think he would have a lot of teams lining up uh, to clamor for his services. Um, if you, you know, what has attracted the Shanahans, the, the Grudens, the, all the names that have rolled through here over the years? And the answer is, if you're the guy that can do it, you're going to get a whole lot of praise heaped on you because everybody understands how, how big of a lift it is. If, if Eric Bieniemy succeeds here, this isn't just about like, oh, he'll be head coach of the Commanders next year. Uh, he might be able to write his check in a lot of different places. Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Go check him out. Thank you, buddy. Great job today, and we appreciate you. Take care, guys. Thank you, good. So how about that quote right there at the end? I'm going to read it one more time. Uh, Eric is Eric Biennemi, not Stokes, obviously. He was in the front office. Uh So I'll just say Biennemi instead of Eric. I think Biennemi, just like the rest of us, sees the transition as one that's good for the organization. On the other side of it, there's nothing but upside, end quote. This is the team president of the commanders talking about the sale as if it is definitively happening. That's what that is. This is the team president of the commanders suggesting that whoever the rest of us are, I would imagine Ron and him and the people in the building, see Dan selling as good for the organization. Because when he says it right there on the other side of it, what's it? What is it? The sale of the team by the the tyrant. (laughs) That's what it is. Not to, to throw stones at at people who don't think he's selling anytime soon or at all. But there are a lot of people, I think you're in this camp, that are still kind of doing the maybe he doesn't sell thing. Or they're riding the fence and saying he might sell, but it's going to be in a long time. This is a bombshell. This is a bombshell. I'm trying not to overreact as I just see this quote. And I do want to, I'm looking for video, maybe some audio to to get more context. But this is the team president saying this. I think Eric, like the rest of us, sees the transition. That's another way of saying sale. The transition. That's a pretty major change. As one that is good for the team. On the other side of it, what's your translation again, Danny? It is the sale of the team. On the other side of the sale of the team, there's nothing but upside. 
Huh. To quote ancient philosopher LeVar Arrington, that's real interesting. That's real interesting. That is real interesting. That's real interesting. What's our song? That's real Real interesting. interesting. That's That's real interesting. Hmm. That's That's real interesting. interesting. That's That's real interesting. Hmm. That's real interesting. That's real interesting. Hmm. That's real interesting. Hmm. Let's take some calls on that next. What do you make of that comment? Am I overreacting? Seems like a really, really big deal. 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. Plus, as promised, we're going to play the audio of Biennemi's answer when asked about what LaShawn McCoy said about him being uninvolved in a passenger and basically just you know riding along with Andy Reid, not doing a whole lot. I think you're really going to like Biennemi's response. That's next on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Jason Wright met with a couple of reporters after the Biennemi press conference today. Michael Phillips, Richmond Times Dispatch among them. And the quote he's got of Jason Wright. And I'm just going to ask you, listen to this, and you tell me if you think he would say this if Dan was not planning on selling. Or if he thought Dan would still be owning the team in the next year or two. I think Eric, like the rest of us, sees the transition as good for the organization. On the other side of it, there is nothing but upside. Translation, yeah, we all want him to sell, and when he does, we're going to be better off around here. One way to put it, right? (sighs) You're not going to say that if you don't feel pretty confident that your boss is selling the team. That's your boss. That's a guy publicly who's backed Jason Wright has had a ton, obviously. So if he's not saying that, what transition is he talking about? Because he's asked a question about the ownership situation, such as it is, and how that affects hires, how that affects an Eric Bieniemy coming here or the next coach or a GM or, or, or whatever. He's talking about the other side of a transition, not at the quarterback coach level, not at the wide receivers coach, at the ownership level. Oh, my God. So now I think I'm excited to see what comes next, right? In other words, does Jason Wright come out and, you know, I don't want to say backtrack, but is there any kind of, well, that's not exactly what I meant? Or if he just kind of stands pat with what he said and goes hard in the paint, it's very, very telling. If there's no pressure from Dan or Dan's not upset, I think that's also telling. means Dan is checked out. Dan is not here. Dan doesn't really care what's being said about him because he might be in London hanging out with his family at this point. But we'll get some thoughts on this on the phones. 800-636-1067 in just a second. Uh, MGM National Harbor listener lines are open. I have been teasing and told you, though, that we're going to play this clip because I thought it was awesome today. So let's do it now. Biennemi was asked about the LaShawn McCoy comments. And you and I played the audio on the show the last couple of days. We've been talking about it. McCoy, who it would just appear has a personal issue with the Chiefs, perhaps directly with Biennemi or Reed or both. He went there. He didn't play a whole lot. He basically got benched at the end of his career. They didn't think he had a lot of football left. And he went in on Eric Biennemi and said he doesn't really do a whole lot. He's got nothing to do with the passing right. game. I want this to work, but he's just not that involved. Andy Reid ran all the meetings. He didn't, you know, uh, and he was also correcting everybody and cussing at people starting the first day of practice, including Travis Kelsey and anybody under the sun. So Biennemi was asked point blank about those comments 
This is what he said while driving along a road that was pretty high up. LaShawn McCoy is a future Hall of Fame runner, okay? Everybody's entitled to their own position, to their own uh, comments and how they feel. When it's all said and done with, I think that's all I have to say because he's entitled to his own opinion. That's life. Okay, you got good and you have bad, you know? It does not impact me in any way. Because one thing that you learn when you're in this position, you have to learn to eliminate distractions, all right? My job is to focus on the now. Everything outside these walls has no impact on Eric Bieniemy moving forward. Here's what I love about that answer. Yeah. Number one, it's classy, and he took the high road. I, I don't need you cutting promos and getting into a back and forth with LaShawn McCoy on your first day on the job. Tells me a lot about you if you're, you're going to get into now a media war with this guy who doesn't like you. He didn't do that. He did the opposite. That's number one. Number two, the idea of eliminating distractions, which is so important as a coach, and is the Bill Belichick model of basically it's all noise outside this building. Uh-huh. We matter. Nothing else does. Not only is that critical in 32 buildings in this league, it is so significant Especially here. so here. Ask Ron Rivera about noise and distractions and storylines and things you get asked about that have nothing to do with football. You better be able to not care and have some thick skin. So whether he does or he doesn't, whether he's you know cursing LaShawn McCoy at home to his wife and he's reading all the tweets or not, put on a good face publicly, and he was able to do that. But I also just think you come off so well. I, I just I like grown-ups. I like adults. I like the anti-Antonio Browns who conduct themselves like professionals, and Eric Bieniemy did just that. It's a great answer. Yeah, he aced that quiz. Because I'd have been very tempted to just be like, I'm just looking down. DNP. Yeah, I don't have much else to say. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd have probably gotten in a barb or something like that. I've been within my rights to do so. But that's a better answer. That was outstanding. There's no reason to even punch down on a guy that's not playing anymore. Right. You're a coordinator now. Assistant oh, you, head coach. You, you've Please, been a thanks. coordinator. Yeah. You're, you're a coordinator and a play caller who hopefully is on your way. But I, I just thought you guys should hear that because that was an impressive moment for Biennemi today. But he didn't even you know t- take any time to defend himself. I think that was my favorite part. My parents always used to say to me, if you're good, you don't have to tell people you're good. Let other people do it for you. Now, obviously, let your job, let your performance speak for itself. Mm-hmm. But if you're the best at your job, you shouldn't be telling people that. I've always thought that the people that are bragging on themselves are making up for something or or trying to convince themselves or talking out loud, both for themselves and so other here, because you're not going to just tell based on performance. Cal Ripken Jr., my dad used to tell me, doesn't tell everyone how good he is at shortstop. And and that, to me, is what that comment was. It it was a, I don't don't need to tell you what I do. Right. I, I don't need to worry about what LaShawn McCoy thinks of me as a coach. And he went as far as to say, yeah, a lot of people aren't going to like you. It's life. Uh That's just like such a mature, big picture way of living as someone who is always trying to thicken my skin and always trying to not let things bother me. And and isn't always great at it. There's a book I read a while ago, and I always try to kind of revisit, which is called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Bleep. Mm -hmm. And, And that's a page out of that book, which is to say, People are going to dislike you. Who cares? Like, at some point, we all decided everyone needs to like us. I'm a people pleaser. I want people to like me. It's an issue, uh, frankly. Who cares if they don't? If they're not your wife, if they're not your kid or your parent, if they're not someone who's really important to you, screw them, Angus. 
You sleep on Angus, the movie. You do. You sleep on Angus. It's a movie called Angus? It's Angus. I always bring it up. You always forget it. It's the big fat guy who goes to prom in the plump suit. Uh, the plum suit. It's like a purple suit. His buddy is a... I don't remember his buddy's name. Okay. I'm thinking his name was Troy Wedberg, maybe. This both sounds familiar and also like it's the first time you're telling me this. Some of us have ears that stick out. You don't remember that? No. Nothing? Uh-uh. Melissa Lefevre was the hot girl in high school he wanted to take to the dance. Melissa Lefevre? His grandpa died, and he, he went and met up with his grandpa's friend that he plays chess with every day and puts the, the king piece down. You don't remember that? Uh, no, I remember this explanation. Yeah. The king piece down. Yeah. That's the. It was this long, elaborate thing where it was about the king piece. You had this whole story about chess, and you were like Angus, and then the chessboard goes down. But he went to prom I th- I in a think plum I suit. It. Yeah, I think his buddy's name is Troy Wedberg. Yep, and I think that uh, Rick Sanford, because he had like that weird thing with his voice. Rick Sanford is the uh, the quarterback at the school who everyone loves, who's played by I think James Vanderbeek, something like that. So like Damn. an MTV movie from back in the day. Wow. Yeah, you got to check it out, or don't. Or. You missed the boat. Yeah. Let's go to Brendan in Fredericksburg on Grant and Danny. Hey, Brendan. Hey, so the, there's two interesting things about that comment. One is, obviously, he would not have made that comment if he wasn't confident that Dan was selling. Oh, you're talking about Jason second... Wright on Dan saying that everyone seems to be thinking this is good for the organization, and on the other side of the sale, there's there's nothing but upside. Yeah, he knows how petty and sensitive Dan is. He wouldn't have made that comment if he didn't know that Dan was selling. And the second thing is, I bet he knows that this sale is super close and is going to be announced very soon. Because if he didn't, I mean, unless he was very clumsy with his comments, if he was strategic with his comment, then he knows that, one, he's selling, and, two, that it's close. And the other thing that's kind of masterful about Rivera hiring the enemy is, if he is selling, and it's almost a done deal, and it's to the owner that talked to Sean Payton, by Rivera getting the enemy and not getting, you know, Shermer or somebody like that, and, it, and national coverage about the enemy, it makes it very difficult for the new owner to come in and fire everybody. It's almost like if you're the new owner, you don't want to, you don't want national media of you firing. You know, yeah. this whole staff, including Bienemy, as opposed to if he would have hired a no-name offensive coordinator. Then it becomes very easy to do. Order. But you could also point, yeah. blow everyone else out and keep him. I mean, let's not forget that right. when Mike Shanahan was fired, uh, Sean McVay stayed on the staff and was the offensive coordinator for Jay Gruden. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to fire everyone. You could. It also just depends on what happens this season. If they go 8-9, and nine, miss the playoffs, and their offense is ranked 21st, you could move on from Eric Bieniemy when you move on from everyone else. It also depends on who they hire. Sean Payton has a job in Denver now, but we know that one of the prospective owners had talked to Payton. Reached out to him. Just as an example, if you take over as the owner, then you fire everyone, and the next day you announce that Sean Payton's going to be the head coach of the Commanders, or within a week that's who you hire, I don't think people are as upset that you got rid of Eric Bieniemy, who's this up-and-coming offensive mind who might make a good head coach when you just hired a Super Bowl champion star in Sean Payton, so to speak. So that part of the speculating is so far down the road, I'm not that interested in kind of what happens with the new owner and the staff. And we'll talk about some of that at times, yeah. but I think it's getting too much attention. I mean, to me, the first part, though, is the right now. I, I think we're even underestimating this. This is, I, I don't have a better word for it, but this is so cool. 
right? Like the the typical Washington thing under Ron Rivera has been go get someone from Carolina, somebody that I'm buddies with, another retread, a guy that wouldn't have the gig anywhere else, be it a Zampezi, be it a Scott Turner, be it a Marty Harney, be it a Mayhew, et cetera. This is a dude that was up for probably the semifinalist or or, or your runner-up in a dozen or more head coaching searches. He was probably the number two in Indianapolis this year when they hired somebody else. They interviewed him for a head coaching position. This is the Super Bowl winner multiple times over, right? Like, this is the cool thing that has happened here. And, and Washington's got juice now from that. I think that matters. It's a good hire. Yeah. It's a great process that got you here. It, it gets you nothing when the games start, right? Well, I sure, mean, of course not. But, but And I'm not dismissing anything. I'm just saying it's a good hire. Like, you hired Eric Bannemi. That's awesome. We're going to find out how good Eric Bannemi is when yeah, we'll the learn. ball gets kicked in the air. Kevin's in Arlington. What's up, Kevin? Hey, fellas. So a couple of things. First of all, about what others think, my dad had this expression of some are going to support you, so some will, some won't, so what? And that's how you got to be nonchalant about it. you got to take the high road, just as you said. Um, in terms of the EB interview, isn't it ironic all the storyline before – about him not getting a head coaching job as he doesn't interview well. Well, you could have fooled me by this performance today. Oh, my God. How bad does that critique look, given how well he performed uh, under the red-hot spotlight of the D.C. media? So I, I just think that's kind of interesting. But on the Jason Wright point and the transition, um, I hope you're right. I hope it's the bombshell. And if, and if it isn't, he will come out with, you know, he will – uh, adjust his remarks accordingly because you know he's going to be pressed on that. But could he have just been talking about transitioning from OC Turner to OC assistant head coach EB, new assistants, and that the other side is whatever unfolds with, with an offense that hopefully for the first time under Rivera succeeds and to even possibly it, it does so well that Eric gets the head coaching opportunity? I, could it be that? So I'll answer that, Kevin, real quick. Thanks for the call, as always, but we're up against it. This is from Michael Phillips' article. As for the potential sale of the team, Wright said he doesn't think that that will deter people from wanting to work in Washington. This is the quote. I think Eric, just like the rest of us, sees the transition as one that's good for the organization, Wright said. On the other side of it, there's nothing but upside as an organization. Meaning, Phillips directly asked Jason Wright, will the sale affect things? And that's Jason Wright's answer. Yeah, I think it was actually A.J. Perez from what Michael told me. It okay. doesn't matter, but just for the specifics. Front office sports, the guy we have on that knows all the stuff about the sale, uh-huh. who was doing some sniffing around and asked about the sale about it. for that answer. Grant and Danny on the fan got a double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports coming your way next. Top of the hour, the Beltway Blitz. Plus, we do have that Jason Wright audio we'll play for you coming up. As he said that, whoever we are in the organization, that they're looking forward, it sounds like, to the transition in the sale and that it's all upside after that. On the other side of the sale, talking as if it is going to happen today. We're Grant and Danny on the fan. G&D on the fan, Eric Bienemy Day in D.C. He was introduced over in Ashburn by the Commanders. We've got a couple of balls in the air today. We're talking about his introductory presser. People are feeling good. They liked what they heard. And we're also reacting to this comment from Jason Wright to front office sports and the Richmond Times-Dispatch uh, in a little bit of a uh, post-press conference session with reporters where Wright said that he thinks Bienemy, like the rest of us, 
sees the transition, meaning the sale, as one that's good for the organization. It's the first time Jason Wright has been on the record saying that a sale would be good for the team. Also said on the other side of it, meaning the other side of the sale, there is nothing but upside. So those are comments the likes of which we have not heard from any high-ranking team officials until today. Let's get to our double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. Good doctor buddy of mine, uh, Jeeps, sent me this this morning, and it uh, sounds like this is what went on in the old Ruye household. The norovirus is here, and it's flying around this area. It stinks. The whole thing's over in about 24 to 48 hours, um, give or take, and you still don't feel great afterwards, but that time when you're in it, and I speak from experience here, I know my four-year-old does, and so does my wife, is just awful. So do you remember, and this this is the only reason I bring this up is that it struck me, Okay. Do you remember the beginning of the stupid pandemic? Remember the beginning of it? Remember what the advice was? I remember when it started, yes. Yeah, what was the advice? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was to wash your hands a lot. Wash your hands a lot, clean all the surfaces, you, you're bleaching this and that and the other thing. The reason they said all that stuff is because that's what you do for this. Protect yourself from the norovirus. Don't be like me and have to miss a huge day of work where they announce Eric Bieniemy. Now, I was willing to sacrifice for the team because I got us Eric Bieniemy by throwing up a bunch and being really, really sick. But the norovirus flying around, it's highly contagious. So someone that's got it basically is like pretty much going to give it to you. It's airborne. It's on surfaces. It takes a tiny, tiny amount to get sick. I got it from my four-year-old. My wife probably got it from me. That's what happened. So wipe everything down and take care of yourself. Wash your hands. This is the part that, that got me. You got to wash for 30 seconds, including... Under your fingernails when you're washing your hands. I don't normally do that. I'm washing my hands. I'm washing my hands. Wash my hands. You got to like dig in there under those fingernails and wash that part too. Apparently. That's like pre-surgery washing. Yeah. Like going when you're watching the TV You're scrubbing show, up. Yeah. ER as a kid. They're like really getting after each finger and all the little crevices, nooks and crannies. I don't normally do that. Yeah. I'm a normal hand washer. Like I get all the, get all the surface area of the hands. Right. You take your time. And then so you rinse them off. Is your you double get... play a PSA to wash your hands? Is that what's happening? Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. It, it really was to lead up to the under the fingernails thing. Because the whole point is this thing stinks. And the way to stop the spread of it is to wash your hands a bunch. Wash and it reminded hands, me kids. of the old pandems when they're like, we don't really know. Wash your hands. This one they actually know. Wash your hands. I'm not an under the fingernails guy either. I keep my fingernails short. Does that help me at all? Normally, I would think so. I don't have much fingernail that you can get under. Like if I see white, I'm biting it. Yeah, I can't. I can't handle fingernail. I'm bad about yeah. it. Yeah, time for your pals double play. Quickly, XFL action tonight. So these are weekend games typically, but they will have some Thursday nighters, including this evening. The St. Louis Battlehawks. AJ McCarron led them to a win, come from behind fashion. The Seattle Sea Dragons. This is the team that was here in D.C. taking on the Defenders. Uh, the quarterback was Ben DiNucci, Josh Gordon, the former NFL wide receiver on that team. By the way, I was looking at the roster the defenders are playing against this weekend. Uh-huh. We can get into this a little more tomorrow on the, the Blitz. But there's a bunch of former NFL players on that team and a handful of former Red, Redskins, Mendos. Too, which is kind of cool. Uh, so we can get into that coming up uh, another time. I watched a new program last night on Netflix. I got to tell you, Danny, every now and then on Netflix – I stumble into something. I don't know when it came out, when it dropped, you know, whether or not it's it's being watched by a lot of people. But it just pops up there in the queue. It's, it's it what happens, what they me. do. Yeah. Like, hey, watch this. So I did. It's called The Murdaw Murders, A Southern Scandal. This is true crime doc 
I, I looked it up today because I was telling you and Ryan about it. Apparently, it came out yesterday. That's why it was front and center yeah, for me. Yeah, brand spanking new. So maybe I was one of the first ones to it. I'm a couple of episodes in. It's, it's um, I would imagine a handful of episodes, not to the extent of like a making a murderer, but essentially based on real life with real people, okay. right? It's the story of this tragedy that took place in this random place in South Carolina where a bunch of high school age, about to be college age kids, get into a boat crash. A uh, girl tragically dies. The kid that was driving the boat, allegedly, uh, he is part of this family that kind of like runs the town behind the scenes and pulls all the strings with the police and covers a bunch of stuff up. And now they're digging into this family's past. It's the craziest thing, man. This show and shows like this, documentaries, if, if that's what they're called, but these true crimes. Because yeah, it's not a documentary exactly. Correct. I know what you mean. Series is, is, is. Right. Whatever we're going to call this. When they're real and they're this crazy, I just can't fathom them. I, I, I get when movies are made like this because uh-huh. they're entertainment. In real life, when this kind of stuff happens, it's insane to me. There, there's another doc I saw. I think it was Netflix a couple weeks ago. Where Do you know about this? This was like over a span of decades. This guy would call like McDonald's and fast food joints, and he would act like a police officer. Uh-huh. And he would get, you know this? Yeah. And he would get um, the manager to call like an employee in that he would then dictate to them, hey, someone stole something. We think she has it. Get her to take her clothes off and do all this creepy, weird stuff. And he did this to like hundreds of fast food chains over years and years and years. And people are in this room for two hours talking on the phone to this fake cop doing all the stuff that he's telling them to do. Utterly bizarre. I'm watching this thing and the whole time I'm thinking, this isn't real life. There's no way a single person fell for this, let alone dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people's lives got ruined by this, both who were on the phone uh-huh. carrying out the search and the people that are being searched who are the real victims. Some of these documentaries that are based on real life are insane. Yes, insane. Like this stuff is happening yeah. in the real world. Like we tried to get you to watch The Watcher, where this family moves into a house that's the dream home, and then these ominous, terrifying... Anonymous letters start, like weird animals start dying in the neighborhood. There are like nooks and crannies and, and fake doors, and they find like people living in underground tunnels. And that's it, based on real life, and that, supposedly. These are occurrences that happened to this family in New Jersey. You know, like then they get actors portraying it, but these are like, here's the transcript of, of real events that we know about. And it, all that stuff happens in the show. Uh, Don't Bleep with Cats is another one that's like this with that some action stuff. Show. It's incredible. Tinder Swindler. Oh, my God. This all of dummy it. who yes. can somehow never gets arrested and doesn't break laws. Well, he was like but... arrested for like an hour, and now he's like back like doing it more. <laughs> I just can't. It's unreal. I've never understood the saying that people like girls say, I can't even and, until this. And now I just odd all the time. I can't even. I can't even, I can't even. with this. It's crazy. Uh, He's Danny. I'm Grant. You're listening to The Fan. We are going blitzing next, and we're giving away two tickets to the Wizards on March 2nd. you got to be listening right here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 